Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 104. I'm your host, Martino Puccio. Alongside me today is just Matt Santangelo. No guests on the docket. Pet is very busy. Congratulations to him on his new job. That was kind of the announcement that we were uh, alluding to last week. Um, So, yeah, Matt, um, FCAs came out again for nominees. We were a nominee for Best International Podcast. Already got the voting uh, underway with everybody. Um, uh, so, so I think we're gonna, we're gonna have a good chance again. Hopefully we get a head out to London. Yeah, it's been, um, it's, you know, what? it's kind of been expected and that's not us. I don't think being arrogant. I think we know we put out a good product. We know we have a really loyal listenership and we know we have a great run of guests that have been coming on regularly. So it's, it's really not a surprise to us. I think last year was a, a little bit of a surprise, but I think this time around, we've got so much momentum and, and so much of, uh, of a little uh, listener base that you know it's 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 possible these things are possible so um yeah the fcas it's a great time of course make sure you guys vote for us instagram through the site on twitter mm-hmm. all the information has been posted on our timeline and we appreciate any votes you guys can throw away yeah definitely um and it's and it's also awesome to just like be uh be a part of the 90 minute football uh network which which we have been you know pushing our stuff helping us grow on top of all of our uh listeners that um come through and you know just keep voting for us it, it just means a lot of you, whether or not you're just like a friend or just a listener of the show in general um everything is uh, greatly appreciated for us so without further ado every football league is back now Matt officially uh of all the top 5 leagues that we mainly cover uh let's start with our bread and butter per usual uh Serie A. so we're only going to really talk about three teams that you want that we mentioned um last year's champions inter juve and then roma um okay so we'll start with inter first because they were the first one to play out of all these three teams um regardless if the opponent is genoa regardless of you know who they play if the majority of their team is still back outside of two players it's still a an impressive performance to win for nothing like that from the first few minutes on they completely dominated the match they were in control the whole time Hakan Celanoglu had a had a great match for them getting a goal and assist within the first half itself um Jekyll got on the score sheet uh they still have time to add another player as well but again this is kind of what you and I have both been talking about and we mentioned this with Adrian on his channel it's like Inter's still very good. That core of that team is still great. Inzaghi's a good coach. Um, yeah, they lose Lukaku. Yeah, they lose Hakimi. Those hurt in terms of being favorites and surefire team to repeat in the league. It's a little bit tougher for them now. But this team is more than well equipped to finish top two. I think at a minimum they finish second. I think depending on how Juve kind of seeks through the the rest of this uh, season. We'll see, obviously, off to a poor start, which we'll get into. But again, if Inter had a Correa or Andrea Balotti, Matt, I mean, I think they get the goal scoring back if you combine it with Dzeko, uh, especially if they get Balotti there. So again, this is why you always have to wait for the transfer markets to end and, and see where teams are at. But this was a great performance for them. Four nothing, get the clean sheet, um, and they move on uh, with some pretty good momentum here after a big one. I know, obviously, taking into account um, it's Genoa, a team that um, from from the people I've talked to who watch Serie U and, and, and many of in our group chat, um, Genoa are a potential relegation team right now. Obviously, it's it's difficult sometimes to come out in that opening match day and 
you turn it on, right? Get, get their offense going, get the attack going and play your best or something close to your best. But a 4-0 victory, as lopsided as it was, it really wasn't surprising to me. I mean, yes, is, is Simone Inzaghi the same coach as Conte? No. Is he a good coach? Yes. Is Edin Dzeko Romero Lukaku? No. Is he a good striker who can do many things to help Inter still be a really fluent, well-attacking team? Absolutely. And obviously, a, play, a player we haven't um, you know, really mentioned was, was Denzel Dumfries, right, who was the quote-unquote replacement for Hakimi. Um, and you have him that's going to enter the equation. So when you kind of throw in all these things about Inter as a club and the market and potential incoming players that they could still bring in, as you mentioned, right, there's talks to Correa, Bolotti. So they could be really stockpiling, right, to kind of somewhat mm-hmm. replace the production that was lost with uh, Romelu Lukaku going back to Chelsea. Still a team that's very strong. Top to bottom, they're going to be deep. They're going to be a team that can score goals. There can be a team that can get wide, that use that width and 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 defend with three at the back. Like, you know, obviously they did last year under Conte. They were one of the better defensive sides. So this is a performance that's not surprising to me. I think Inter are going to be there um, for the long haul, at least in the Scudetto race. I don't think they're going to win it. Um, I think that Juventus has, a, has has enough quality and they have the better manager mm. to, to get that title back into to Turin. But I think Inter are a strong team. And if you're an Inter fan, you're thinking, you know what? All things considered, I think we'll be okay. And I do think Inter fans should be a little bit more positive because, yes, it's Genoa, but the, it's quite clear this team is built to, to at the very minimum, you'll finish second and get top four again. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and, you know, listen, that's kind of the expectation that they should have, um, regardless of the financial situation within the club itself. Uh, the quality is still there. It's not like uh, we're talking about a mass exodus of players. Um, this isn't the banter main core is right? No, it, it's, Mihon, it's not even banter for Inter when all those players left uh, right. in the early 2010s. Like, this is completely different. Um, there's lots of players in their prime or approaching their prime still. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Like, listen, they. this is why Morata is the best director in Italy. It's not even close. This is, again, showing well, how many other directors, Matt, right? where you're forced with a limited budget, you're losing two world-class players, two top 10 at their positions, right? Arguably top five for both. And you still pivot and you get adequate replacements given the the difficulty of the situation. And you're still fighting for top two in your league. Um, it'll hurt depending on who they draw within the Champions League, those two losses. But again, we can see what happens. I, I think they did everything that they could at the end of the day. So um, good start for Inter. So four nothing win for them. Let's go to Roma first, and then I'd rather do Juve last for this. So Roma got off to a really good start um, under this Jose Mourinho era. Uh, back when we talked with uh, Pat, I think just in general, when we were discussing Roma at the time, I said, you know, currently today, I don't like what Roma has at the current moment to compete for top four. I, I think they were on the outside looking in. Mourinho is an upgrade at manager. I don't think there's really a debate about that, but again, the amount of money that you're paying him, you need him to be the best in the league, which I'm not sure he is. Um, you spend a lot of money in attack. You lose Spinazzola, but you get Zaniola back, who got sent off for two yellow cards. Um, two of the brightest talents in the league got sent off this weekend with Victor Oshman as well. Um, it's a 3-1 win. Tammy Abraham looked really good to start. I think it was a massive get for them. I'm a big fan of Tammy. 
Uh, I thought he was in a difficult spot and situation with Chelsea, even though he still produced at a good level there when they had that top four finish under Frank Lampard. Um, obviously, considering the signings that they made, he was the odd man out. There's a buyback option on that. But again, Matt, I, I actually do think the midfield's solid enough. I think it's a respectable midfield. They added more into that attack, even losing Jekko like that. Um, if they could hold a fourth down until Spinazzola comes back, this team can compete. Uh, there's talent there. It's just about Mourinho trying to squeeze every ounce of it out. I know you're a big fan of the depth that they have relative to what a lot of people think. I think there's an outside chance they can make top four now, but I still don't think they're a favorite to make it. I, I think I still need to see more because we've seen the same old story with Roma and this core group of players here where it's a good hot start, but you got to win against the top teams. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Fiorentina. Um, there's just something about them that, that worries me, but you tell me with this Roma, are they in that conversation for top four in your opinion? And what is the likelihood that they could make it? Because it was a good start for them with a three, one, one. I think they are in that top four conversation. Um, I, whether or not they're my, I guess, number one team to be top four or whether they're somewhat in that pecking order of being like the second or third choice to chase for top four. Um, if you get what, get my drift here. Um, but speaking on a little bit with their depth, right. I think, you know, when you look at the actual balance to this team, it's, it's quite good. It's, it's not going to be great. They don't have the household names. They don't have a ton of star power, but you have some key players that have been there for at least a couple years that you can somewhat rely on and say, these are somewhat of our core players, right? Jordan Vetter too is one. Zaniolo, if he can stay healthy, right? You're just seeing him on the field. I know he got the red card, but seeing him on the field, walking around after, you know, another injury um, is, is huge for him. It's obviously huge for the Italian national team. Um, and then you have Lorenzo Pellegrini, right? So you have like those three players. It's like they're young um, in their own right. And at the, in many ways, they're not maybe, you know, breaking out stars right now but they're players that are of good quality. And then you kind of fill in the rest of the squad and you're thinking, you know what? Upgrade a goalkeeper, in my opinion. Rui Patricio is an upgrade with Paolo Lopez. Um, that's, just, that's just a fact. Matisse Vigna uh, at mm-hmm. the fullback position. Um, they did get uh, Shimura Dolf. Um, uh, kind Genoa. of a, a strange move because he came from Genoa. He's 26. He's not from um, a, a, a particularly big dominant international side, Uzbekistan, but a player that you see has has a lot to offer. Brian Reynolds, who came over during the January transfer window, who's going to probably be rotating with um, Karsdorp at that right-back position. Um, just just going down the line here, that some of the other players that even came last year that maybe necessarily didn't didn't show their fullest potential, that's Marsh Kumbula, right? He had a, he's not far removed from a really good season at Verona under Ivan Juric. Last year, injuries in and out of the squad. Um, Gianluca Mancini and Smalling was pretty much their tandem. Um, so if Kambulis steps up, like I think he can. I mean, this is a player that cost them a pretty penny a couple summers ago. So they have a big, a big stake in here in this player to, to deliver um, in a potential Champions League push, right? So all in all, like I said, I think the best way to describe this Roma team is balance, depth, and I think ultimately... It's unlike what we've seen from Mourinho sides in, in traditional years where he typically gets a bigger budget. He gets a big mm-hmm. market, big marquee names. But I think Serie A is a league. I think he got, I think he got a more than adequate budget considering I did. I their know. situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it was, I, it I know. It was a little bit more, 
it was a little bit more spread out, right? Like it's, sure. it's how do you want to spend it? Was it, you know, when he was at Manchester United, I think he got a player like Fred for a big, big sum of money. This is more of a different case where they're going and spreading that out and saying, hey, I want a right back. I want a new goalkeeper. I want mm-hmm. another midfielder. And he stretched that budget out to fill just areas of need relative to the actual shape of your squad. So I think Roma, um, good result on the weekend. I'm not going to take too much stock into it. It is match day one. Um, just like I'm not taking too much stock into the fact that Juve drew Udinese, which we're going to talk about in a few seconds here. Listen, man. There was a point in time with Juve in general, because there's a lot to unpack about this whole thing, including this Cristiano Ronaldo stuff, which is I mainly want to talk about that, because I think a lot of people are just brushing it under the rug about that whole situation, because it, there's layers to it, and I'm going to explain why. But on a level of just the game itself and the result, right? Two-nothing lead, they blow a two-nothing lead, two-two. Back when Juve were at their peak of their powers, right? Mid-2010s, just absolutely the head and shoulders team above everyone else, Matt. We knew, okay, if they slipped up and they and they drew a game like this, no big deal. But what we've seen in the past couple of years, um, dating back to the Saudi year, last season, and now this, this is how they start, right? It's just one game. But again, to see them get a result like that is still uncharacteristic. They have more than enough in this match to win that game. It's 2 nothing on Udinese. Juve, with their defense, should never be blowing that. I don't care who's in midfield. It's an inexcusable drop of points where you're going to look back on that on the season where we always say about Milan or any team that's close and, and going to the top four, Napoli fans can say the same. It's inexcusable to drop points like that, especially when you're up to nothing. You're competing against Inter for the title this year, right? I think everyone can agree for that. You're the favorites once again to win the title by the bookies. Whether or not you agree with the bookies is, is one other thing. But still, nonetheless, a lot of people are putting money on Juve and view Juve as a favorite. And rightfully so, because on paper, it shouldn't really be a discussion with relative to their expectations. And I understand what people view their midfield as. But still, they should have the best attack in the league. They have a more than good enough defense in this league. At least second best, right, behind Inter. They have a goalkeeper for it. And it was a mistake by Chesney a couple of times, right? How many times is he really going to put in a performance like that? Highly unlikely, okay? There, there's no doubt about that, and I know you would agree with that because he's one of your boys. But again, it's a character flaw, kind of, in a way, for them, where they shouldn't be dropping points like that. There should never be an excuse like that, and it's a mentality thing. And it's not to say Juve have a weak mentality these days. I think it's dropped off to what it used to be. And I know Allegri still has time to fix that. And that's why they brought him back in. Just everything surrounding it was just not a good thing. I'll get into the Ronaldo stuff later, but just your thoughts on um, this performance and, and, and the dropping of the points. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I actually um, was invited on the Juventus Toronto fan club podcast yesterday. Um, at the, of course, at the time of recording here. Um, on Tuesday. Um, I did it last night, um, so Monday night, and I was talking um, about the Juve match and my perspective on it, right? Because it's easy, you know, when we talk about Milan, to have our perspective. There could be some bias, some things that we see because we know them a little bit more. We watch them a little bit closer. Um, but when I watched this Juve team, I thought this felt like the Max Allegri team. This is this felt like the, the Allegri ran Juve that we saw a couple of years ago, um, creating some chances, Dybala, you know, getting that goal, him involved, him at the at the heart of, of, of many attacking phases and sequences. And 
just they were ultimately let down by some poor goalkeeping play. I, I, I'm not going to you know put too much stock into um, was the midfield as good? Is it is it is it enough? Obviously, Locatelli um, you know, made an appearance in the second half, so he'll obviously you know, help uh, uh, rejuvenate that midfield and and, and increase its its quality. But I think top to bottom, this is obviously a team that's still very strong, a lot of quality. Um, I thought Danilo was was a, another good player. I think last year he was a little bit more of one of their unsung heroes. He was very consistent and very dependable um, for Andrea Pirlo. But it's it, it look it's it's an Udinese team that, in my opinion, had no business getting anything from this matchup. If I'm being honest, oh, yes, oh. they pressed. Yes, they 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 pushed the envelope. They forced Tech into these these situations. So you have to credit them for some things. But you and I know that we've watched Udinese enough and. The fact that they they sold Rodrigo De Paul, their best player, who is one of the few in that squad that was able to win the matches, um, of course, with Juan Musso, who went to Atalanta. Mm-hmm. This team is going to be one of those, we're going to sit in our shell, try and defend and try and soak up as much pressure as we can, and maybe take our, and maybe pick our spots to counter, right? With Gerard De Rafeu and, and you know, uh, Jens Stryker Larsen, some of those other players that they got. But look, Juve, it's, they're going to be there till the end. I think. I have a future on them to win the league, if I'm being honest. And yeah. I just think you have to chalk this one up to a little bit of a, a rough around the edges start to the season, which, again, can happen um, if you're not careful and you, you're not bringing your best um, to open the season. Yeah, I agree um, on all those points. So I just want to discuss this Ronaldo thing before we move on to other topics of the day, right? And get to some of our ad reads. This Ronaldo situation, I don't want to hear any excuses about it. I genuinely don't. I don't want to hear that it was a tactical decision because it's stupid to leave out the highest paid player in the league and one of the highest paid in the world and one of the greatest players of all time in a must-win match because he wasn't matched before. Why isn't the guy who Allegri commented on saying he is straining extremely well not prepared for this? Why is the tactical situation coming down to that Cristiano Ronaldo, of all players, who is still scoring loads of goals, can't get into this match? Why does he not start? There's something to it. It's just absolute bullshit that people try and sweep it under the rug and tell me that, oh, that's not true. You weren't there in this situation. It's called reading in between the lines. Tell me everything that you can clearly see here. This guy on the last match day of last season said he didn't want to start because he was tired. This guy is literally well known for being the most fit athlete in this sport, right? and the top peak physical condition out of anyone else. His fans want him for it, and rightfully so, because what he's doing at his age physically is absolutely phenomenal. It's unprecedented. It's never been seen before, and that's even including Ibra too, right, who's done a great job, but it's catching up to him. For me, when we see reports of, you know, Real Madrid being involved, no teams are making any other offers for them. We know the financial crippling situation that he has brought upon Juve, and it's not his fault that Juve paid him the money that he deserves to get, right? That's on them for doing that. That has nothing to do with him. I'll make that perfectly clear. And I don't blame him for that. What I do like to think and say at the end of the day is this. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And if this guy has already had past history, not too long ago, we're talking about in May, where he sat out that last game. He doesn't start in this one. He comes on late, where he he got called offside marginally. It was the correct call, but he was still offside marginally. Look at the impact that he makes. So it's either Allegri was stupid enough to sit him, one of the best players around, or two, he didn't want to play. 
Either way, it's a failure for Juve. Either way, there's something to it. And you can't just simply say to me, oh, it was a tactical choice. It's not a tactical choice to sit Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not. They're lying to you if they're saying otherwise, because it makes no sense. It literally makes no sense to me. And they're probably going to have to start him in the next game because they have no choice, as they should. Um, But again, like, save me, save me the lies here. I don't think he's completely happy in Turin. There's already been reports that he wanted that return to Real Madrid or Carlo Ancelotti wanted that return for him to Real Madrid. I think he possibly and potentially wants to move on. I just don't see another team jumping on him at this moment in time because it's a week left in the transfer window. Juve, I'm sure, eventually would like to get rid of him. But, Matt, come on. Cristiano Ronaldo sitting in this at the start, I don't care if he played at the end of it. It's There's no excuse. Tactical decision, right? He looked pretty good when he came on, and he scored what many thought was the actual winner of the match, right? Looked running. He looked sharp. I mean, I know it's, you know, a couple minutes here and there. Obviously, he didn't play the full game. But he came on. He – Look good to me. He didn't. He didn't look like he had some ailments or. It crashed out of Europe or, early or, or in the Euros early. Or tactically, he didn't fit. Tactically, he didn't fit the game. It's Udinese. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. He rain, sleet, or snow. He's playing the game. Udinese, Barcelona, Manchester City doesn't matter. He's playing those games. If he's fit, it's ridiculous. He's playing those games. He's a serial winner and ultimate competitor. So it's not a tactical thing. Obviously, what Fabrizio Romano came out and said pretty much was was the truth, in my opinion, of like he's trying to cover things up at paper over cracks, is he's upset about his situation and he was trying to look to see what suitors were out there for him to make a move this summer, which I agree with you is is very unlikely. You have to have you have to understand it would have to be a dramatic turn of events for Julian and Mbappe. The only leave. way, yeah, exactly. The only way this would happen is if PSG uh, sold um, uh, Mbappe, and then maybe a PSG, you know, deal came to fruition. Again, that's yeah. just being that's just being like over the top at that point. Mm-hmm. So I think he stays another year. He runs his contract out, and Juve are in a position where they lose one of the best players of all time for free. And maybe Juventus fans get a little bit uh, of of some stick here, um, and get a little bit of the being the butt of the joke because that's what they kind of went on. Mm. Milan fans for right you're losing all your players for free yeah losing Cristiano Ronaldo for free yes in theory you know it's it's going to help your wage bill but a player that you spent almost 100 million on a couple of seasons ago just on a transfer fee itself yeah right exactly so that, that, that was ridiculous I, I, I do absolutely unequivocally think it's his last season in Italy. Um, yeah. Where he plays afterwards remains to be seen. Um, I don't think he gets sold. It would have to be a dramatic turn of events where PSG swallow their pride and admit Kylian Mbappe is not going to stay, which is likely. I think it's likely that he leaves. I think his dream's Real Madrid. And I think what's going to ultimately happen is PSG sit there and say, okay, what's the best possible PR way and possibly even tactically to make up for the loss of Kylian Mbappe. It's to sign the most marketable and most popular player in the world in Cristiano Ronaldo. That's the only slight window that I could see. I don't ultimately think that happens, but I digress. So we'll move on. We're going to hit France a little bit before we get to our uh, infamous ad reads that Matt loves so much. Um, Marseille and Nice, all hell broke loose. Dimitri Payet at the center of it. Fans throwing shit on the field. Payet throws it back. Fans go at him. They go rabid. Um, the drama. Um, I'm sure Tom Scholes and, and Mo Ali were, were absolutely um, 
loving this, um, especially especially Mo, considering it was his team playing in this one. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't say, you can say a lot of things about Ligon, but you got to say there's not a lack of drama in it because I think they do a pretty good job of having some of that drama. Um, what was your whole takeaway from this situation? Because this is one of the topics that you want to discuss. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's in many ways, it's the malice at the palace, right? If you're a basketball fan, you hmm. kind of, like, there's so many like subplots and side stories. Always starts with a water bottle, huh? It always starts with something, right? There's one triggering moment that sets everything off. And that's where all of a sudden you have a couple side battles. You have players shoving each other. You have, you know, potentially players going in the stands, having interactions with the fans. I, you know, that's not what you obviously like to see, given the fact that fans haven't been in stadiums for, you know, a good portion of a year now. And in most cases, we're, we're starting to see it. But now them being so pent up for all these for all these months, they finally get that taste of, I'm back, I'm watching my team play, that you feel so emotional, you forget how to handle yourself in a public setting, right? Mm. So I think this is, this is one of those things where um, you're going to see uh, suspensions handed down, you're going to see some fines, some penalties, maybe some uh, ban- fans banned, so maybe mm-hmm. a, a reduced amount of uh, incapacity, right? Because I think you have to come down pretty hard on this because these things yeah. are unacceptable in 2021. Um, for the for for one, yeah, it's obviously still in a pandemic. You have the COVID the COVID protocols that you have to adhere to, and you have p- fans interacting with players. Yeah. And if that sets a, a sort of um, chain reaction off, where some of these players are now testing positive for COVID. Then you kind of you know, leave yourself exposed to to more more risk and issues. So this thing will be evolving. Obviously, more investigations, more more um, footage, and just more um, coverage will probably unmask a lot more uh, to come in the in the coming days. Yeah, definitely interested to see how they set down uh, uh, some suspensions or fines for this. I'm actually kind of fascinated about that. Um, but. Before we move on to our final topics of the day in the Premier League, we have to do our ad breaks. So um, here's a message uh, from some of our uh, sponsors. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job for the leaders in male grooming. Join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code 90MIN20. 90MIN20. 90MIN20 for that. Matt, obviously, there's so many different things that we could talk about with this. Inside the package that you get, you get the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weird weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant. It kind of smells nice. It is, it's like putting a, uh, I, I don't know, I guess you could say like some some cologne for your balls, but but it's but it's not actual cologne, so it won't like burn your skin. Um, performance boxer briefs uh, that you get as well, and you get a travel bag. Um, for the whole solar system. So like me going on vacation tomorrow to Puerto Rico, my flight obviously is going to need me to carry some of that stuff down there. Probably going to maybe shave, you know, before I go to the beach and all that stuff. Absolutely. Why not? You get 20% off the free shipping with the code that I mentioned, 90min20 at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping with the code at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond your space balls with 
Also, this podcast is brought to you in affiliation with SoRare, the global blockchain fantasy game. SoRare is a fantasy game of soccer or football where players buy, sell, and trade and manage a virtual team with digital player cards. If you use our link in the description, you get five new cards in the primary market, both individual cards and bundles, and then you get one free rare card. So head on over to there. Use the link in the bio. Pet just kept texting us. He actually watched the Milan game because he had uh, Fakayo Tamori, and I forget who else he had within the side. Um, who was it? Was it Teo? I think he had Teo and Fakayo Tamori. So, so it was a, it was a big deal for him. So he's excited for that. So again, gone. Yeah, he has to have. Yeah, like Martino, like you have Tamori and Teo Hernandez, like that are the two starting yeah. players, two expensive and well valued players in yeah. the the world of football. Pet's been probably putting a little bit of money in here, don't you think? Pet, pet, Pet's been falling in that money. And if you want to catch up to Barisha, just go to the link in our description of the episode um, and go catch up to him on So Rare for that. Other than that, let's get back to the show. All right. After talking a lot of shit about Barisha right there, we're going to talk some shit about the league that he follows ever so close, closely, and that's the Premier League. Uh, Matt, a lot of things to kind of unpack. Chelsea look phenomenal. Say it straight up. We'll start with them. They look really good. Um, Romelu Lukaku comes in. First start for Chelsea since returning. Scores a goal. Uh, they win 2 nothing in this. Listen, two games in, but a very strong start for the Blues coming off of that Champions League win last year. And I got to be honest with you. Value-wise, and if City cannot get the striker situation sorted out, they already lost against Spurs to start the season, right? Despite Spurs missing Harry Kane. Gotta say, man, I really do feel like Chelsea has the best shot out of anyone to win the Premier League that's not named Manchester City. I genuinely do believe that. And Liverpool's look good too. Don't get me wrong. Again, two games in, something about Chelsea for me, I think I actually kind of like them to win this league. And I think you're seeing more examples of it. They're playing, they're they're so smart on the transfer market as well, man. I really got to say, there's that big purchase of Lukaku, but... Talking about seventy million made for two players and Tammy Abraham, Fakayo Tomori. They just sold Kurt Zuma to West Ham. That's another thirty million on there. They almost made all their money back for Lukaku. Like that's your very sound business plan right now. And again, Matt, how long ago would I have told you that they lost Eden Hazard? And it's clear and far away that the team is better off without him. And they've pivoted incredibly well because they fast tracked this new project. And it's had instant success. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, look, you know, it's it's interesting too, right? Because it hasn't been um, a, that same sort of Chelsea summer that it was last year, right? Last year was a lot of incoming players spending Ben Chilwell, um, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, you know, just to name a few. They obviously, you'll get win the Champions League and you know, they obviously win the, 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 the Super Cup, right? And now all of a sudden they're off to a flying start. Um, you know, Romelu Lukaku, the, 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 his second debut at the club, gets a goal, mm-hmm. um, have, having that big impact. And let's, let's be honest here. I don't, I don't see many people talking about his first touch, the Nothing. fact that he looks like he's – it looks like with his first touch he's wearing Timberland boots, all mm-hmm. the big memes that mm-hmm. people made about him at Manchester United. We know damn well because we watch Serie A religiously – that he was a completely different player under Antonio Conte, fitness-wise, tacti- technically, um, and just his overall a, a preparation for, for being um, a top-flight footballer um, when he was in Italy. Comes back to Chelsea, and he, he looks like he, he hasn't skipped a beat. 
And I just want to real quickly point out um, some of the, uh, the, 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 the work that M Marina and Chelsea have done on the sales side, right? Because yeah. it's, it's worth men mentioning um, that uh, Zappa Costa, you know, according to Nisa Arcancelo, who we've had on many times on, on the Milan Reports, maybe we'll get him on here one time, um, hopefully mm -hmm. in, in the future. They make they had a 15 million euro loss on David Zapacosta, who of course is yeah, him as well. Yeah. Atlanta, mm -hmm. um, after bringing him in for for 25 million, still yeah. Chelsea can boast of having sold 100 million pounds of players this summer now. So you pretty much negate the whole you know cost for for Lukaku, and that just goes to show you that Chelsea have a, a really good transfer policy. Yes, they can spend; it's easy to spend, but it's sometimes difficult as Milan fans are knowing to sell players. And I'm looking at a lot of the players that they sold, a lot of academy players that for one reason or another were surplus to requirements or just simply didn't fit. Abraham, they got a ton. Tamori, obviously they got a big fee there. Um, you know, you're going to see Kurt Zuma as well go to West Ham, but they're a team that is gone, going to be bringing in Jules Kuwunde most likely from Sevilla, another young central defender. So they just keep the wheel moving. They're a team that's really built to make a title push, in my opinion, year two under a lot of these players. And also the fact that Thomas Tuchel has really brought some solidity and stability to the post. This Chelsea team is dangerous and a team that, can, in my opinion, can really, really push on for a title this year. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, like like Pet, like Pet, me and Pet have gone back and forth. He thinks Hurricane's going to be sold. I still don't believe it. Um, so we'll see whether there's a, there's a week left. We're recording this on the 24th. So there's a week, um, from today that the transfer market will end up closing. Um, speaking of uh, transfer market, a team that's been very active on it, um, just loaned out, uh, Diallo, um, Ahmad, uh, Diallo, right? Um, Manchester United. I don't know what to think about them. For me, I think they're a clear top four contender. It's going to take some time with Raphael Varane and uh, Harry Maguire to get uh, uh, acclimated with one another. I think there's plenty of talent all around. Their first game of the season was just fantastic. They end up drawing to Southampton, a Fred own goal for that. So for me, I personally say this, and I've told Pet this when him and I were recording when you, when you took your break, I think Mason Greenwood is a little bit of an X factor with this team. I think he's going to have to be able to step up as the number nine. And I think he's capable of scoring over 10 goals this season, right? Because Cavani's not going to be able to play that often, right? Martial, I'm not, a, I'm not a big, big fan of, the, of him, even though I think he's a solid backup, if anything, but the standards Manchester United, right? It's not good enough for that. Mason Greenwood already has a couple of goals. He, he gets them to draw on this one. What's Man United ceiling for this? I think it's a top four finish. Anything above four is a good placement for them because I think Liverpool, Chelsea, and City are all clear. Um, yeah, what is your expectation for them? I think, like, what, like, get out of the group stage for Champions League, uh, finish top four, and then, you know, win the FA Cup? They got to win a trophy. I think, like, like, come on, that's the standard now. It's Manchester United spending all this money. There's all this talent being hyped up. Where is it? I think, I think United are um, definitely a top four side. I still think they're a little bit short of, um, you know, some of the teams we mentioned, right? Chelsea, City. Um, I think they're kind of just a little bit below them just for, for a couple of reasons, right? I think they still need to get a holding midfield, holding midfielder, excuse me. Um, you know, that was, that was something that I think was a, a, a major desire for them. Um, at the very beginning of the market, it's something that I think they're probably still discussing and trying to see if they can get done. Obviously, Jaden Sancho helps elevate 
that attack. It was a deal that was in the making since last summer, obviously mm-hmm. COVID in play. They don't want to stretch too much and they actually got a better deal this time around than they did last. They would have last year. So good for them. But I think they're just a little bit, little bit short of the mark as far as being a domestic threat. Right. I think they're still a team that will, will get top four in my opinion, but with Manchester United, I see a team that is, is strong, but also has moments where they're really streaky and they really can run, run off a, 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 on a stretch where they look to be a really, really dominant team. And I think, you know, you, you obviously look at the attacking personnel that they have and it's obvious they're, they're pretty stocked there. So that's, that's going to be interesting to see, right? That's why I always look to teams that have good starts because it kind of gives you some room for error on the back end if you have your little bit of a slip-up, right? For Milan, they had a great first half of the season, and they nearly blew it in the second half, but they had such a good away record that they were able to squeak into the top four, right? So I think that Manchester United, uh, a team that is very talented, Ollie looks like the guy. I think that's quite obvious, you know, given the past couple of seasons he's been at the helm. But there's obviously going to be some things that maybe if they don't, fill their fast final areas of, of concern in the squad that people are going to say, you know, they maybe didn't do enough to forge ahead to make a title push. Whereas with Chelsea and some of the other clubs in the league have made those intentions clear that they want to be title contenders. Mm. So I think we'll have to wait and see how the, the market shapes up the rest of the way for United, but a strong team nonetheless. I totally agree with that. Um, so we'll, we'll see what ends up happening and transpiring um, for the rest of this season. Uh, as far as Manchester United go, I think they're just uh, not a wild wild card team. Excuse me. Um, I, I don't think they're a wild card team. They, I do think they're a wild card team. Excuse me. Um, it's just like, I feel like the ceiling is kind of high for them if everything goes their way, if Sancho adjusts uh, quickly and if they get that top production from Cavani and whatever, if Marcus Rashford can really find his footing after his injury last season. Um so again, Manchester United, I think it's I think it's a failure and Ole should be fired if they don't finish top four. And I also think there should be a higher um, expectation for them because I think the excuses are pretty much all run out for Ole at this point. I think there's more than enough for him here to do something and make good of it. So again, we'll see what ends up happening over there. Liverpool got off to a good start as well. But that's really going to be the end of this episode. We only have about 30 seconds left or so. Obviously, FCA's vote, vote, vote. Say it all over our Twitter. We're liking, we're retweeting everyone for it. The information on how to vote is inside the description of this episode as well. It's going to be, we have a couple of weeks for that. We have a lot of tough competition. Hopefully, we could place uh, somewhere within the top three. Um, it would mean a, a great deal if you guys could keep on pushing and voting for us. Matt, how about you uh, hand out your Twitter in the meantime as well? Sure. Follow me there on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Of course, support the pod on Twitter at State of Play Pod. Follow me and Martino and what we do at MilanReports.com. We're, we're getting a ton of momentum on Twitch. Uh, make sure you guys check us out there. I think we're close to 600 followers, which is pretty remarkable considering we started this less than a year ago. Um, and, and I just want to thank you guys all for the support with my articles and, and some of the other content I've been putting out. Yeah, definitely a lot of great content. We really appreciate if everyone could um, go and check out MilanReports.com as well. Um, Doing a lot of work with the podcast, uh, growing steadily, um, hang out for halftime spaces as well with me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. I saw Sam Ty popped on in for a little bit on mine. Um, 
it's it's a mix of like good analysis and good points by educated fans and then i get the rabid idiots in there sometimes but it's funny because i love them because it's it's really funny when they just call a bunch of players rats it's it's entertaining stuff so if anyone is interested in any of that you just go over there at martino cuccio um yeah subscribe follow us you could vote on instagram and all that stuff for the fcas so once again greatly appreciated other than that you guys could go listen to some more kids